0: Why doesn't Magic just believe in stealing things from other games? That's what shocks me. Like, they can't pretend to be the best because they were the first. It's just not true. Well,
1: they have the thing that matters, which is that they are the original trading card game, and the the overall system is the best one, and it's really compelling. Like, that's all you need to have to differentiate yourself.
0: Yeah, but that just makes the game good. It doesn't make, like, any of their software usable or their policies good, which is what hurts a lot.
1: That's that's what I'm saying is like they have that. Why do you need to like do things differently from like steal things from Blizzard? They're better at making video games from you.
0: Like even uh, Runeterra.
1: I I really like how their tournaments are run. Yeah. Riot is also better at playing at making video games
0: than than Wizards is and organizing events. Like top seven. They do it every two months. That's how long their seasons are because one month seasons are garbage. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They just time it with the set releases because that's not hard to figure out. Obviously. Uh, the top 700 of their mythic masters, whatever it's called, uh, challenge. I, don't, I actually have no idea what it's called. But the top 700 of that gets in and then the other 324 are all from like grinders queues, which is a good way to like, hey, if you want to play in this tournament that happens every season, you mm. can don't have to play ladder infinite hours. You can just grind in. Yep. But no, that's not an option with lizards. You just play a ladder forever and ever. And then eventually you have to stop because uh, you have to sit on rating, or you've reached mythic and you can no longer pair up in games or something. There's like some weird mythic bug. I don't really know how it works. Yeah, and there's also the thing where like
1: it can like pair you badly, and then it gives you a draw, and you might lose point. You might lose rank based <laughs> on getting a draw that you had no control over. Ideal. It's a hell of a system. Yeah, I mean, I just wish that there were like actual discrete goals, not just like
0: queuing into ladder until your brain leaks out of your ears you hit mythic congratulations that's it you've earned yep. your five packs at the end of the season here you go
1: champ yeah you only get kicked down to platinum at the end of the month month every month are you kidding me what's the point literally what is the point of making me go from platinum to mythic or if i like leave it alone for two months from like freaking bronze to mythic, like Obviously, I can make Mythic. Don't kick me off every single
0: month. It is miserable. Well, you got to earn your your climb back up because that's how you get your, your engagement up. Yeah, you got to earn the right to play like halfway decent games of Magic. Yeah, not even like good games of Magic, just halfway decent ones.
1: Well, the opportunity, the like possibility of queuing into good games of Magic, like the possibility just kind of isn't there beforehand before you hit Mythic what a just atrocious system like other other games you know non-card games have like placement matches at least yeah that's true if you're if you're good at lol and you put it down for a while and then you come back and play ranked at the beginning of a season like you don't have to grind your way through every rank like you get to play placement matches it's not like oh you're
0: not a, a bronze level player they also last the whole season lasts for like a year or two so it's not like yeah. you have to keep go grinding all the time either right i mean the games are way longer so it makes sense right right of course but like magic matches aren't short you know no no a match could take like half an hour
1: yeah easily especially (laughs) given the decks that i usually play on arena (laughs) it's just and like why is it every month that's the one thing they just like stole from hearthstone and never changed for no reason whatsoever the ladder resets every month and uh we don't know
0: why our sets come out every like three months or so. We have a mastery thing that we also only update every set release, but seasons that's uh, that's just, you know, once a month because why just you know, why because of it is and even if you need to take the top twelve
1: hundred once a month, like that doesn't mean you have to kick everybody down to platinum at the end of every month. <laughs> There's no reason for that. It's just stupid. This is like the fifth episode that I've complained
0: about that for but Well, that's because it's it's bad and it will never be fixed, and we get to play it Because they it forever. never fix anything. Arena only gets worse. It's sad. It was so neat back in 2018. Yeah, it was, like, full of possibilities. And
1: now, just, like, why would you ever expect anything to improve? It never, literally never does. The only thing they ever improved was adding player drafts. And yes, it was, like, true. a miracle that that happened, and nobody expected it
0: to actually happen was like one of their most, I think it was the most requested feature behind fixing the shuffler.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to episode 217 of the MTG Grandcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. I'm Chris
0: Castor-Apple. Oh, you're doing it now? I you're knew you'd miss me? it! You screwed it up! Well, I, I wasn't ready. I was ready the last two weeks. Not the, the whole time.
1: point is that that you were supposed to, you know, you jump felt in. it inside. You were ready.
0: Well, but... I was waiting for, like, an intro, and this is, and then I jump in, but mm-hmm. it's fine. It's fine. I'm Lee McLeod. Hi.
1: Okay, great. Thanks. Thanks for joining us, Lee.
0: Yeah, no problem, Chris.
1: <laughs> Glad to have
0: you here. You're looking really good in your new glasses. Oh, thank you. They're new. I... My eyesight's actually so bad in one eye that it's basically a monocle, <laughs> but that was deemed too fancy, mm-hmm. so I, I just have normal glasses.
1: I, a monocle seems like it would be a pain to, like, screw it into your eye socket. Kind of, I don't really even understand the mechanics of the monocle. Well, yeah, but then you have a cool
0: chain, and you can, like, hook it up to a watch or something, have, like, a dual kind of deal. Mm-hmm. I don't know how monocles work. No, I think
1: you connect it to your collar, so if it falls out, it, like, hangs from your collar. Oh, sure. I never really understood the like screwing the monocle into your like ocular globe cavity. I don't, I never really understood the like physical mechanics of that.
0: I, I, I didn't have to figure it out because they wouldn't, they wouldn't let me. Like I didn't have a top hat, so that wasn't allowed. Right. It's illegal. So
1: today we are going to talk about eh, standard and modern again. We're going to focus in a little bit though. Um, I have been playing various versions of all runs epiphany basically non-stop so we're just going to kind of talk about everything that we know about all runs epiphany card choices matchups sideboarding plans uh that sort of thing just if you want to play with all runs epiphany hopefully this is good information and you are going to play against all runs epiphany so this should be pretty helpful there too guaranteed yes it will happen i promise (laughs) Uh, and we're going to talk about some modern stuff too, just kind of like bringing up the
0: developments over time. Invitational's coming up, got to keep up with these things. Yeah, there, there's been some movers in modern. I've been, modern's mostly what I focus on because I just have more interest in it generally. Mm-hmm. So that's all the stuff I watch, all the results I go to first are all modern. They're also just way easier to find than standard stuff. Though standard events have been firing on Modo, which is kind of nice. Uh, I don't know what's causing that because it doesn't happen all the time. <laughs> Uh, I think the standard is actually kind of good, and that's just, like, what is
1: happening here. Cool. I, you know, it, it's got its problems, and, and
0: certainly the complainers are pretty loud, but... I don't know. I keep having fun with it, so... I, I do like watching games of standard when I stumble across them. Mm-hmm. The gameplay doesn't seem that bad. Like, it actually seems very good.
1: It's quite good, and, you know, there are v- very severe restrictions on the format, but... Your individual card choices matter a lot. The plan that you come up with for any particular game tends to matter a lot. And, you know, there's a lot of really interesting, different, subtle things you can do in most games and in your deck building. Do we have anything we want to get to before uh, just delving in? Yeah. So we should thank our sponsor before we get into things. Uh, Last sponsor didn't end up working out. Uh, I think. Magic Twitter, they caught the end of our episode where we were a little (laughs) bit critical of some of their tweets. And so uh, uh, apparently that's not what you're supposed to do when you get sponsored by somebody. We weren't able to keep our journalistic integrity intact, so uh, we had to part our ways. Uh, But we have secured a new sponsor. And starting this week, we will be brought to you by Matt Sperling's newborn son. So really exciting relationship with this uh, tiny infant baby right now.
0: Yeah, not not much done in this world yet, but has succeeded, I think, tremendously at bringing the magic personalities in the community together. Yeah, really impressive work.
1: And uh, we are excited to get on board. Just Just powerful social media presence that we think is going to pay a lot of dividends to come that like this is this is we're just getting on this train early with our sponsorship here
0: almost as early as possible
1: yeah i mean i don't think anybody else even even thought about doing this but you know we just went to we went to the little kid and we were just like hey man we know we know what's up here uh you're about to run magic twitter and we want we want a piece of it so what do you say and you know
0: we got our sponsor yeah there was a little a slight flailing around but Mm -hmm. we closed the deal in the end
1: yeah, yeah. So, uh, everybody, keep a lookout for that, and you know, we'll 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 keep y'all updated on how this goes. So, should we just jump into some standard and specifically all runs Epiphany and and everything that's been rattling r- around in my brain about this deck?
0: Yeah, this is gonna be good because I know you've been playing basically too much. all all runs Epiphany forever, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I sent you some deck lists that i was that i found uh because i knew you'd want to play them or look at them at least so you're gonna have to you're gonna have to guide me through it because i everything i know about Alden of is just going to be surface level but you've you, you've uh you've done a lot of work
1: yeah i mean i am kind of obsessed with playing these decks i'm really enjoying them uh, I feel like I have a lot of control over my own destiny. A lot of my losses are due to my own mistakes, which we are getting better at avoiding over time as we make them. I mean, so first things first, this probably isn't going to be the best deck on any given weekend. I am under no under no illusions that Invitational weekend, I'm gonna just show up with Epiphany and just like double time walk all over everybody. and and reach the top eight without any trouble at all. I think, you know, people are very aware of this deck. People have their sideboard plans set for it. People know about it. And it is not fundamentally like a crushing strategy, except to the decks that it's already kind of forced out of the metagame. So uh, the decks that it has left in the metagame are things like primarily mono green aggro mono white aggro and uh, is it dragons and then the mirror and none of those are matchups like you can tune yourself for all of those matchups you can have good plans i mean none of those matchups are ones that you're like oh thank god they played snow covered planes i'm never gonna lose here yeah. so uh you're left with a bunch of like kind of tight matchups if somebody shows up with something random that features
0: blood on the snow or uh storm the festival then yes you you will probably crush them so i have good news on that margin like i don't know because latter does tend to homogenize things to a a big extent Mm -hmm. uh in the magic online challenges people are still playing blood on the snow (laughs) (laughs) so if we go to a paper tournament you have to believe you're going to run into some nonsense
1: yeah, and ultimately that's why I am, and also just because I have so much more time put into this, like, I will make mistakes, particularly in card choice and sideboarding by playing mono white or mono green, just because I don't have the reps and I, I I don't have the comfort. With Epiphany, you know, I generally know what I'm doing and, and can set up my plans pretty well. You know, even if I do play against a blood on the snow deck at the Invitational, I will probably be favored against it, but also they will have a plan that they think is good enough, whether that is like, oh man, they sideboard into so many go blanks, or they're splashing four spells, or something like that. But uh, I think generally I'm happy to get paired against anybody playing one of those decks who thinks that they have an effective plan, because I, I haven't seen a lot of really effective plans out of those decks. <laughs>
0: they, 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 I think they've given up. They're just trying to do their thing.
1: Yeah, and, and I mean, you can certainly build a blood on the snow deck that is heavily favored against mono white, re, like quite favored against mono green, and then y- you battle Concedes. with Epiphany and hopefully you get there, but probably won't.
0: <laughs> they draw too many Snarls and also no Epiphanies and you have the nut or something, I don't know.
1: Yeah, and and I mean, if those decks don't get totally forced out and if there are reasons to play because of the population of the creature decks, then, you know, that's the makings of a healthy format with some churn. But as far as Epiphany goes, and, you know, I'm just kind of locked in on it. I've been playing a ton of it. I kind of want to go through sort of the ways that it can be built. And I want to go over some of the baseline parameters here. Uh, So when I'm talking about Epiphany, obviously I'm talking about the Galvanic iteration deck. I'm not talking about a Dragons version that has like three copies of Epiphany and eight Dragons in the main deck and no Galvanic iterations. This is a more combo control focused deck rather than the tempo version of is it dragons there are a few different ways that it can be built we had the older versions that had like two galvanic iterations and just were you know going to take forever filtering through cards to try to get there on that combo those were the decks that you know we saw on an scg weekend just get pushed out and get pushed out and get pushed out. And then ultimately have like a 30% win rate against mono green and not be playable. So you got to do something better. And, you know, we saw the decks come out of the world championship where the acknowledgement was basically like, okay, we can't just have our plan against mono green be like hope that our interaction lines up and our removal actually kills their creatures through all of their snakeskin veils and stuff. And then eventually we pay eight mana and we double time walk. Uh, That's not a real plan. So what we saw were kind of a fork in how to address that sort of thing. And we had the checks with the uh, unexpected Windfall decks. And then we had the Grixis deck that is, you know, the Celestis and Lear, which I do think is a little bit better against the green decks because Lear is just a fantastic pseudo win condition against creature decks but ultimately you give up so much against the other blue decks by not having unexpected windfall that i have a really hard time seeing any reason to not play an unexpected windfall version of the deck
0: yeah I, I, that's where i would fall have you seen or played against any of the Demir control decks that feature Leer?
1: yeah uh, i have played against some of those i haven't lost to them yet that doesn't necessarily you know i i don't know if my opponents were uh playing them well or not and i know this is like an andrew jessup deck so generally like Mm -hmm. the andrew jessup decks do what they are meant to do and and certainly the blueback decks are meant to beat up on the green decks and have a chance against the epiphany decks but the way that they've generally played out is like they duress me maybe they go blank me And then i just like cast an expressive iteration and then two for one my way back out of the hole and as long as i can control their leer they don't have a great way of engaging me on any real axis until i combo them out of the game
0: so it's very it's very similar to the other leer decks basically
1: yeah i mean it's just like expressive iteration is incredibly powerful and their strategy of cast discard spells against you, lines up really badly against you drawing an expressive iteration at any point in the game.
0: Yeah, I've had that experience a lot. (laughs) So card choices for
1: versions, you know, within the Unexpected Windfall universe of Galvanic
0: Iteration decks. Which you're like locked into. You don't see a reason to play without Unexpected Windfall at all.
1: I can't, somebody else might come up, you know, maybe, maybe I'll see something come out at the invitation and be like, oh, that's genius. I didn't think of that. That's so smart. But at having this threat, sp- instant speed threat that you can play that, like, makes tapping out a liability starting once you have four mana, the liability for your opponent, or you can end of turn it to, like, put yourself in possibly a very advantageous position or if you get to six mana, you get to copy it and put just a ton of treasures into play. And just getting up on mana is, in, in the mirrors, fundamentally the most important thing. And it also has a lot of application against, you know, like Monogreen. I can't kill all of the mono green creatures. Like, realistically, you just can't do that. A bunch of them are really hard to kill. They've got Snakeskin Veil. You can't believe that your stuff is going to line up all the time. And... Getting to your end game earlier is a good way of making up for that, like, basic fact of the standard format. Sure. A couple of different ways to build this from here. A big question is, do you have any dragons in your deck at all? Or are you running sweepers? Or are you not doing that and you're heavier on point interaction and, in particular, divide by zero? So I saw... The version, like the LSV BK version from a couple of days ago that you sent me, and that is very much in the like lots of point interaction camp. Playing divide by zero, still playing uh, unexpected windfall, of course, but not no like body based threats at all. You are getting to the combo, and that that is how you're getting there. Uh, maybe some sideboard options that that we'll talk about later. That that's definitely one way to do it. For me, I think that that is not really the way that I want to engage in a field that I can't accurately predict. And in particular, Divide by Zero has been so frustrating of a card for me to have in a deck, uh, especially a deck like this. I just like play against Mono White and have a Divide by Zero in my opening hand, and then I draw one for one of my turns. And I'm just like, "How how could I ever win a game with these cards in my hand? It is tempo negative to cast it. It is card negative to cast it until I resolve another tempo negative spell to try to make up for the card. And it just doesn't work out and you get run over.
0: And all and all the lessons are like draw a card, basically. <laughs> Except for the seven mana one, which puts the bodies into play.
1: Yeah, and honestly, like that thing as sort of this alternative plan that allows you to, to juke and be like, you know what, I'm not you know i might sideboard out my epiphanies in this matchup and what i'm gonna do is eventually wish for a mascot exhibition double that and then that amount of power and toughness should get me there and that is kind of nice but ultimately to me the cost of running divide by zero has been too high it's okay against mono green but you get snakeskin veiled a lot if you try to use it on an in-play creature and that's so brutal it is okay in the mirrors but I've generally just, like, smashed spells into them and not worried about it too much. And, like, it, it mostly works out because, you know, what are they going to do? They're going to get a land or they're going try to try to make a teachings work. And it's just like, I don't really care that much. I'm just going to keep playing spells. I generally have not been impressed by Divide by Zero. It does give you an additional axis of interaction against Goldspan Dragon, which is honestly the main use of yeah. it cuz most cards are really
0: bad against Goldspan Dragon that you'd be running otherwise and it is not fantastic against Goldspan Dragon it just happens to do something right
1: so the version that i have been running the the place that i got to eventually um uh, my list is a 4 galvanic iteration for unexpected windfall for Goldspan Dragon deck mm-hmm. and basically a lot of people are really bad against Goldspan Dragon there are fewer renin sixes running around people's removal spells don't work great against it even you know like that bk deck it's a removal spell that is playing in the like cheap red removal spell slot is thunderous or Re- thundering rebuke yeah two mana deal for it kills gold's ban but you get your attack treasure and then you get your targeting treasure so usually you can leverage that into a win and in particular i have gone so i've gone up to two prismari commands and you just have this like treasure package where you consolidate treasures and then you cast a span dragon and then it just acts like a big ritual or is you know, or at least is free so like i've had games where i turn four unexpected windfall turn five cast my span dragon attack make a treasure so i've got six mana from treasures i go iteration unexpected windfall that's mana positive. You end up with eight <laughs> mana at the end of that. So then your turn five ends up being Goldspan Dragon, cast this double windfall, cast Allrun's Epiphany. That's happened a couple of times. To- you need two windfalls. Like it's uh, it doesn't happen all the time. And usually it doesn't happen that early in the game. But having all these Goldspan Dragons in the deck does give you access to these like unexpectedly just like huge mana turns that I can't say that it's better necessarily than other versions, but I can say that it's a little stronger and more proactive versus a metagame that's hard to predict. And you can do things that people like weren't predicting that you were able to do on your turn. And it's also very, very fun. So <laughs> I, I like the list that I've ended up at, if nothing else, just because it has some games where you're like, holy crap, I can't believe I'm allowed to do this right now.
0: Yeah, that does sound really sweet. And I do like the way that other than the ritualing aspect of Goldman Dragon, which is really good. Mm-hmm. It's just like a decent solid creature that people aren't super equipped to deal with. Like you said, Ren and Seven is not that popular.
1: And and if you do run into blockers for Goldspan Dragon, it gets way worse. So if they play a Ren and Seven and make a Treefolk and your hand doesn't have an answer to the Treefolk, uh, you're you're not super happy to be on this version. If you run into the the BK version and they've sideboarded in their Imreths, which is a 5-5, a five a five five. Five. Then you're just like, ooh, that's a little bit rough. I don't, I don't really know
0: what's going on. So is that how you say that? So I, I'm ref- it.
1: I don't I, know. I, I, I don't know how you're you supposed do. to say it.
0: No, I have no idea.
1: But generally, I have been really happy with this version. No smoldering Iggs main deck, uh, goldspan dragons. I mean, the curve of the deck is kind of high, but you have this like weird like tempo makeup engine with your like huge mana
0: turns. What's your early interaction if you're if you're dragoning and windfalling?
1: uh cinder clasms and demon bolts and i i adopted what i thought was really smart from the bk deck which was just four spike field hazards mm-hmm. I, uh, I think that card is incredible right now both you know as a way of killing luminarch aspirant and also as a way of killing malevolent hermit Uh and also a couple of juari disruptions of course and the fading hopes so you know all of your interaction that you're playing is really just like control the small ball stuff in the first couple of turns as best you can and then i just want my turn four to be unexpected windfall and then i just want to like do gross stuff after that
0: uh you have you have a note up here that we skipped over i don't know when you wanted to talk about it it was um, memory deluge versus behold the multiverse
1: yeah so i think generally in my deck i i was on memory deluges and then i tried the behold the multiverse's Uh, again adopted from that bk list uh and it was just so much better in my deck uh just i really like the additional two land hands that you're allowed to keep because you have a behold the multiverse in it uh you can generally like the fact that it doesn't cost the same amount as unexpected windfall which you prioritize casting over memory deluge yeah uh, it, it just like generally curves around a little bit better. And the flashback on Deluge can be important, especially in mirrors, but I'm kind of just banking on my like huge mana advantage and then whatever cards I do have to to be my advantage in the mirrors. So in my version, I've been pretty happy with Behold over Memory Deluge. It's just worked out better. Also, the mana in the deck is terrible. It's just atrocious because the lands are bad. Uh, so yeah. having this this spell that only costs a single blue and can help fix your mana is
0: nice. Like it's not like you're playing a lot of non-basic or a lot of basic lands. It's just that all of your lands only produce one color of mana. Yeah. <laughs> Except for the snarls.
1: And you have to play them because it's so nice to have one in play that can be either one cuz you you have yeah. kind of <sighs> but and that's another reason why I like having so many treasure sources in the deck. It's just like, I, you know, I need a combination of mana on all of my turns.
0: <laughs> yeah, it gets tricky when you're like, need to hold up in a Spikefield Hazard or a Malevolent Hermit, and you're looking at like Mountain, Mountain, River Glide Pathway, or whatever your combination of those lands are. Right, right. If you're like, yeah, casting
1: an Expressive Iteration on that
0: turn, and yeah. It, it, it gets really rough. Even the pathways are excellent. Once they're in play, they're they're basically basics mm-hmm. and you have to live with that.
1: Yeah. So the mana in the deck is rough and multiple of my deck building decisions have been around compensating for that and I think Behold the Multiverse, you know, that's just one other factor that makes me prefer Behold over Deluge. In in my specific version, Deluge could be better depending on what other choices you've made. But I think generally just in an unexpected windfall version of the deck behold has a lot going for it because it's not an identical cost to to, so that's
0: what put me off of uh, andre's desk andre's deck at worlds Mm -hmm. is that he he had to shave it down a lot on memory Deluges, even though he was still playing them just because it overlapped so heavily with unexpected windfall Mm -hmm. but that's a little easier to get away with with behold the multiverse
1: yeah uh, and, and the shocking thing to me as well about that deck was playing three expressive iterations. Yeah. And, you know, they're smart and they have a reason for whatever they do. I can't justify running three expressive iterations into an open field. It's just so good. It gets you out of so many spots. The
0: It's incredibly good in the mirror. Incredibly good in the mirror. It's the most important card.
1: Just it gives you these early game actions that you get to take instead of doing nothing or foretelling cards. The the deck requires just like a critical amount of cardboard that you put together. And the card drawing spells are just an important portion of that. You have to put the things together and you have to have enough lands to do all of the things. You can't hit eight mana without doing some amount of casting divination.
0: Yeah. It's just not possible. And that's why Windfall's so good too, right? Because of the treasures. Yeah, because those are like full cards, basically. Because once you've spent them
1: on something important enough, it, it is like having lands for that turn, and that's all that really matters. And, and the card drawing is so important that one of the main ways that I have seen games decided in the mirrors is by aggressive use of counter magic on the card drawing. So... Uh, You know, and, and I have a whole section where I want to talk about the mirror, but this is just an example of how important the card drawing is. I'm happy to aggressively, like I'll sacrifice my malevolent hermit to counter an expressive iteration on turn three. I'll happily do that. I will cast a test of talents on an expressive iteration and get them all out of your deck. So now I have a deck with expressive iterations in it and you do not. And also I get to see your hand and know if I should go for it in two turns because looks like your hand is isn't that great and i can just do that
0: or if in game two you get to see other
1: sideboard yep yep uh, i mean test has just been it does a lot of good stuff and it should not be reserved for we're gonna play a long game and i'm gonna use this on epiphany like it's perfectly valid to just use it to make your opponent's deck bad as early as possible make as many of their draw steps weaker
0: yeah it's also negate so if you would want to just get rid of a card and gain gain tempo that way like that's Mm -hmm. fine you don't have to use it as cranial extraction
1: yes i've had a bunch of spots where my opponent like cast a memory deluge when they were under pressure maybe that deluge would have found them something so i want to counter it but then i want them to draw memory deluge for that turn i'd be perfectly happy because they'd probably die if they had to cast spend four more mana on it so i just don't take them out of their deck so that's definitely a play that you can not you know think about (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah. <laughs> other things that in this list of like card choices and stuff a uh, five mana sweepers i know some people have been happy with them like i saw cory baumeister tweeting about how good the uh the giant saga was like last weekend i can't cast these spells and win a game it's just not battle possible for me fire, battle of frost yeah. and fire yeah just like Against Mono White, one of their main strategies against you is Redain, so 5-mana Sweepers cost 7-mana, and it's hard to cast Unexpected Windfall to get to that 7-mana. So it's not a particularly effective strategy against Mono White. They also get to keep their Faceless Havens in play. Against Mono Green, they get to keep their Faceless Havens and Asika's Chariots in play, and there's just a lot of spots where these like 5-mana Haymaker spells are both not good and take up your entire turn. Sometimes they have a 6-6 six, six in play and you have Burn Down the House <laughs> against Mono Green. I, I just don't find these to be an effective place to be. I think right now, I like I ultimately, for a while, I had one Burn Down the House on my sideboard, and I think I've cut that at this point. Uh, and it was mostly for other blue-red decks, so that it could be both a way to kill Goldspan Dragons and sometimes a way to put pressure on them on the play. Just because of my particular sideboard slots, it ended up working out that way where I was like, okay, having one of those. But for me, they haven't been effective spells. They just like aren't reliable enough to be good. And I, I want cheaper, earlier interaction. And then I want to go over the top of my opponent as quickly and as brutally as possible. And, you know, this is an artifact of me playing the goldspan dragon version as well. But even before playing that, I just like the sweepers just felt so anemic to me.
0: Sure, I, I can see that. Red sweepers are historically not fantastic. They're really expensive,
1: and every time you're like staring at burn down the house in your hand, and you have six lands in play, and they have a redain in play, and you're just like, I'm, I'm gonna take lethal next turn with this wrath in my hand. It's not good. Yeah. If only there was a blasphemous act. There is in white. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> In constructing your deck, if you are going to be on a four Galvanic Iteration version or even a three Galvanic Iteration version like that BK list, you should really think about how it interacts with your other cards. Like, certainly, the threat of I can Iteration Epiphany on eight mana, you need to be aware of that and be scared of it, is really important. But the more your opponent does things to make that not great against them, the more you need to be able to use your iterations on your other spells. And that's another reason to run Behold over Memory Deluge. You can't copy Memory Deluge and get anything out of it. So Mm -hmm. Behold is kind of nice there. Uh, It's why I've really liked Demon Bolt. It just is effective against a lot of things. Also, it kills Goldspan Dragon the turn they cast it and only gives them one treasure for it and it's kind of the easiest thing to double up uh, and it's also why i've been happy running main deck cinderclasm's because even against mono green doing a four damage on their turn sweeper sometimes can be really effective they animate a seeker's chariot you wrath everything and then move on with your life
0: uh is there what about cathartic pyre what do you think about that card i have moved off of it the
1: main use for it is that I think my main use for it is that it's like the most efficient way to kill a redane without worrying about it. Other than that, you know, it's completely effective against mono green because it does at least kill all of their two drops, whether that's sculptor of winter, wolf token or werewolf pack leader. But obviously it doesn't do anything against troll It is a little bit harder to copy with galvanic iteration because you can't do it on turn three and also one thing to think about is that your mana base is not only like kind of bad as far as colors but you end up with a lot of comes into play tapped lands both because hall of storm giants comes into play tapped after turn two your spike field hazards and juari disruptions always come into play tapped your snarls probably come into play tapped unless you don't need the mana that turn in which case you know they're they're, they're fine they come into play untapped and you never <laughs> spend that mana on anything
0: so do you not like snarls
1: man i just can't believe that they gave us snarls
0: here <laughs> we had steam vents like not that long ago it really hurts i i think i played with steam vents in uh 2019 mm-hmm yeah like
1: last time i played paper magic last time i played paper standard i definitely had steam vents in my deck (laughs) your lands come into play tapped a lot and that is a thing that has made demon bolt a little more because you get to like split the cost up and like work around your lands coming into play tapped i know like cathartic Mm. pyre just costs the two that would be what you pay for foretelling but you know four damage is very very relevant so I, I've liked Demon Bolt quite a bit, and I don't really see myself going off of it unless it's like, oh, there's no Goldspan Dragons at all, and I only have to worry about Mono White and Mono Green, and it's good enough against Mono Green, and it's definitely better against Mono White. Although it also doesn't kill Adeline, which is the card that kills you out of Mono <laughs> White, so it'd be pretty hard to get me off of uh, Demon Bolt, I think.
0: Yeah, I, I really like Demon Bolt as a card. It's, it impresses, especially when you to iteration it. Mm-hmm. Or Galvanic Iteration. I forget. There's two iterations in this deck, and they both cost blue red. Yeah, the most this... iterations I've ever seen in a standard deck.
1: <laughs> when you honestly like the first time, the first couple of matches I played with the deck, I had to make very sure to like grab the correct one.
0: So, because if on arena you just grab it and throw it onto the field, and you just grab the wrong one, you're like, Ooh, oh, no. Ooh,
1: that's not good. <laughs> I just cast Galvanic Iteration turn three when I needed to hit a land. That's I don't know about this one. As far as that like red removal slot goes, I have Demon Bolts and Cinder Clasms main. And it's been a good mix for me. also have Fading Hopes. That is 1,000,000% just a concession to Mono Green. It's mm-hmm. okay against Mono White. It's like okay against Smoldering Egg, but you don't really want to target Gold Spand Dragons with it. If I could go and know that I was only going to play against Mono White and, like, is it dragons, I would not run any Fading Hopes in my deck.
0: But I, I think that's just unlikely, because Mono Green is going to be the either the most popular or second most popular deck. Yep. And and it's really important
1: against Mono Green, because they're a little clunky, their creatures are super beefy and hit really, really hard, but slow them down by a turn, and you can often get there. So that that is the role of Fading Hope. And I do board some out against Mono White. Uh, on the draw, it can be okay to have, you know, like two copies in there. But on the play, I don't want a ton. It's o- the only reason they are in there at that point is like because I want to have a certain number of answers to Redane in my deck, and they are a little less important at that job in this version because one of the answers to Redane that you can have is just I'm casting this Goldspan Dragon this turn instead of an expensive non-creature spell, and Goldsman Dragon will provide me with enough mana to cast whatever spells just through your Redain that I want to cast.
0: Okay. So, Spike Hazard, you said you were really high on, but we haven't really talked much about it. Yes. Like, where, what are the spots that card's good in?
1: So, on the draw against Mono White, it's just the best card you can have in your hand. Like, holy crap. The Like, Luminarch Aspirant on the play against you is so good. It's so unbelievably good. Unless you have your like two of spot, like two mana spot removal spell or whatever, they just get you with it. And even if you do have that, if they had a one drop, like they probably got a counter out of it. If you don't kill it immediately, it can just run away from the game. If they draw two, it can just run away from the game, run away with the game. But there on the play, you put into play your frost boil snarl and reveal a, a land that you, you know, would never use this mana for anything but this is the only time you get to have it come into play untap so whatever here it is but then they go luminarch aspirant and you go oh wow i drew my spike field hazard i just get to kill this right here and i think i win this game now
0: yep it, it also has the the job of tagging malevolent hermits really important hermit
1: is quite good in the mirrors and the backside is very good when you're on the play because you just get to force through your epiphanies. Uh, mm-hmm. Get in the whole thing for one mana is really nice.
0: It also it also prompts a like Spikefield has exiles, so you can <laughs> counter the Spikefield Hazard. But if doing that would leave you with enough mana where your opponent can do other stuff mm-hmm. that turn, uh, that can be problematic too. Like if you force through like Spikefield Hazards or opening play on the Hermit. And then they have to choose whether they sacrifice it using a mana to like basically do nothing but put the hermit in the graveyard. Whether yeah. that taps them low enough that they can... The opponent can just do something else with their turn.
1: Yeah. And this is one of the reasons that I've moved a little bit away from hermits. Uh, I'm down to three hermits in my sideboard, so still a lot of hermits. <laughs> but the fact that it does get tagged, it's not the most reliable, it, like it can be worked around, and the two mana counter spells I've just been very pleased with. So some combination of Test of Talents and Disdainful Strokes or Negates or even Saw It Cummings, I think is a totally acceptable sideboard card that I want to experiment with a little bit. I am NOT a big fan of the main deck Hermits. Why is that? So you play a mirror and then you just you don't have any like like that BK list, like you don't have any dragons in your deck. You play a mirror, you play your hermit, and they're like, "Well, I wasn't gonna cast this demon bolt on anything, but now I can cast it on your hermit." I, yeah. I just don't understand the the purpose of it.
0: That was the one weird thing to me about the well. There's a couple weird things about that decklist, but that was the weirdest thing to me about it. Yeah, it just stands out in like a, a relatively creature deck. Just has two hermits as the only creature.
1: Yeah, I, I think you really do get punished by the like. Oh, I just barely didn't blank your creature removal, like. Okay, well, you could have just blanked their creature removal. I, I keep having people cast their game one hermits against me, and I have adopted the I'm running all these spike field hazards, <laughs> and it works out really poorly for them because either I spike field hazard it, or it's just like, oh wow, I had a cinderclasm in my hand that would have been super dead against you, but now I get to leverage it to clear that thing out before I go for it on my turn.
0: Yeah, I I agree. The hermits are still so good, but they're not. You definitely do not want them in game one. Yeah. Because they don't do anything against the, the monocolored decks.
1: If you really want a game one thing in that slot that's just a hammer, like, either do the Strasky thing and just run those test of talents, because you know, you might clear their expressive iterations out of their deck on turn three, and that's a game that you're very likely to win. Uh, or, you know, if you want to hedge a little more, run negates or disdainful strokes.
0: Uh, what about matchups? You want to go any in, into any in particular? Yeah. So,
1: I mean, only a handful of matchups in this format, really. Yep. Mono green, mono white, dragons, the mirror, and then just sort of like blue control decks in general that are trying to play exactly the right combination of cards to like squeeze the wins out. But I would not recommend playing those decks. Honestly, it's, mm-hmm. it's hard for me to see where they're finding traction. White decks. They are going to try to run you over very quickly with damage. If they start they, they want very badly to start out with either the two one that boasts and makes tokens or Usher the Fallen. Yeah, Usher the Fallen. Or Stone whatever Stonebinder's Familiar into the the Sun Gold. What is that thing called? Some sort of champion? Sun Sungold sun, Sentinel? Sun gold, Sentinel? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think so. Yeah, and or, or Luminar Gaspirant and any one drop. Like they're really trying to get that setup going very, very early. And then main deck, they might have a couple of redanes and post board. They probably have like four redanes. So the, the two things that you need to worry about are those very, very quick starts that can just put a ton of power and toughness on the table, particularly when they're on the play. Your hand just has to be able to deal with that. Spike Field Hazard is a great way of doing that, often on the draw. Like, Cinderclasm just doesn't even keep up against Illuminar Aspirant. Yeah. Like, Cinderclasm is amazing in the matchup, and often just, like, casting it wins the game.
0: But they do have hands that
1: work around it really well.
0: Uh, but, yeah, well. Not one card can beat everything. Like, we don't get Pyroclasm for a reason.
1: Right. But, like, you know, they have games where their turn two is Intrepid Adversary, and their turn three is Elite Spellbinder and then you just respond to its ability with a (laughs) cinder for one you blank their first two turns they get one of your cards but like they're not going to be able to kill you from there probably so cinder wins a lot of
0: games how do you board like what are you what are you looking for uh in postboard games
1: so my postboard plan mostly takes redane into account at all times you just want to reduce the number of expensive non-creature spells in your deck as much as you can. It is hard, you don't really want to trim on epiphanies themselves because just casting it even without copying it, even without a dragon in play is often really good cuz like a bunch of their creatures are X ones and you just like got an explore and 211 tokens and you're like buying a lot of time there to to put something really strong together. So I think I actually cut some number of Windfalls, especially on the draw, because if they, like, cast a redane and you don't have a way to kill it and you have, like, two Windfalls in your hand that you were planning to use to cycle through to new cards, but now they cost six mana. You're done. You're going to die. Like, that's it. So, you know, I just want all of my spot removal. I want... The answers to Redain that I've put in my sideboard, and if I don't have a lot of specific answers to Redain, then that forces me to keep in a couple of Fading Hopes. That's not the best because that card is pretty bad against most of, you know, even their three drops, like bouncing an elite at Spellbinder isn't very good. (laughs) You usually get punished for doing that, and their other creatures are very cheap. So it's not a great card against them, but you do need some number of answers against Redain. That's why the board plan of like, Bringing in burn down the house just doesn't make sense to me. It's like I'm gonna take out expensive non-creature spells and bring in other expensive non-creature spells. Like all of my expensive non-creature spells, like kind of win the game if I can cast them. The problem is that a lot of games I can't cast them. So that's what you got to be thinking about with mono white: those early starts and the what do I do if they cast a redain against me? For mono green, troll is. By far their best card against you. It does a lot of things. One of the like really gnarly starts they have is just Sculptor of Winter into turn three. Think for a second and then play troll instead of (laughs) chariot so that you can't Jwari disruption them. Yeah. And then they get to attack for two with their Sculptor of Winter because they don't need that mana anymore. And then you're just like, oh man, they really got, they really identified the way that they get got here and they got me back. And then they have a 4-4 Trample in play that, like, okay, if you have the removal spell for it, then they get an extra mana, and then eventually they're 4-4 back. Or sometimes a bunch of extra mana with Sculptor of Winter. Yes, or sometimes a bunch of extra mana with Sculptor of Winter. Uh, and, and also, like, you're bad at blocking it. You do your desperation, like, all right, six mana, cast this Epiphany, no copy, no dragon in play it doesn't block their 4-4 trample that is now getting counters from their ranger class or their inscription of abundance so i think that you know a lot of these lists including mine have a smoldering egg in the sideboard Mm -hmm. which uh, which by the way is an important part of your sideboard plan against mono white it just of course it is like the best card that you possibly can have. They have all these three ones that it just blocks and uh, it's phenomenal. Later
0: in the game, it becomes a 4-4 that can do stuff. Yeah, yes. it's really
1: good. And the shocks are terminates against them, so...
0: The only uh, thing it doesn't kill is Redain.
1: Yeah, but usually when they have a Redain in play and you have a Dragon in play, <laughs> you I You're think I've won shame. every one of those games. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, of course.
1: So, yeah, phenomenal sideboard card against Mono White. Against Mono Green, it can be good, But honestly, where I have fallen on it is I'll bring them in on the play, but I don't want any of them in my deck on the draw. Uh, It's just too likely that they have a hand that doesn't care about it or kills it. Uh, You know, if they go Snow Forest into Snow Forest Werewolf Pack Leader, you play an egg. Okay, number one, if they have Blizzard Brawl in their hand, your egg is dead and you take four. If that's not what's going on, okay they just untap and they attack with their pack leader do you block what if they have inscription of abundance what if they have inscription of abundance and pass the turn with a green mana up and now they have a 5-5 and you're like okay I guess I can try to fading hope this now but if they have snakeskin veil, like I'm just dead they have a 6-6 six, six that draws a card every time it attacks and I can't do anything about it and you set yourself up for that by putting that egg into play
0: yeah that, that is not great
1: so egg on the draw, I just haven't been happy with. And also it's like hard to flip it quickly enough to to make it really matter. And the the shocks aren't as good against mono green. On the play, it's way better. You can safely block because by the time you're blocking, you do have mana up. You have mana up. up. Yeah. So it's it's a much bigger risk for them to go for it unless they kind of have it all. When I don't bring in the eggs against mono green, then you just have to kind of be a little more like trusting your deck to give you the good draws and trusting your your deck to give you, okay, I can windfall, I can set this combo up. And that's kind of where I've been really glad to have access to the Goldspan Dragons because it does a good job of buying you back tempo and making good on your fading hopes to buy a turn and just like I can I can kill you actively and I don't need to worry about snakeskin veil as much because I'm just going to take a bunch of turns.
0: Sure. Okay.
1: Uh, But main thing is like, they're going to play around your Juari disruptions. And so you can't really trust in them to do the things you need to do. Try to be proactive as much as possible, but be aware that like, Sometimes it is better to leave up your Disruption so they don't cast (laughs) Isika's Chariot on this turn or whatever, uh, or at least represent it. And then you just need to make sure you don't get Snakeskin Veiled in a high leverage spot and that you are actively pursuing your game plan because they will kill you eventually, no matter how much removal you're aiming at their stuff. They will kill you eventually you do need
0: really really good at grinding through the
1: <laughs> yes it's phenomenal ranger class werewolf pack leader snakeskin veil troll the secret like, chariot chariot <laughs> right Ren and, se- Ren and seven like it just shrugs it off at some point and so the this is the big sweeper that i have been happiest with in this matchup is a uh, cyclone summoner
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and in particular when you are running unexpected windfall uh, and it's funny because i think the lists that had it at at worlds, the players who had cyclone summoner were the Grixis lists with the Celestis. Yeah. That's but, you're right. Yeah. But not the checks. And it's actually just phenomenal with unexpected windfall.
0: Because you like, can put pl- you can go windfall into summoner.
1: Right. And and you don't really want to be casting too many removal spells on their stuff, like especially not the turn before you cast a summoner. So casting a windfall that turn, turn four or five, and then the next turn you just cast summoner then you have a seven seven they have five lands like you're going to win
0: and possibly a chariot it returns chariot does it return chariot i thought it just returned uh... all non-land permanents oh it's right it just calls out the creature types you're right you're right
1: yes right it doesn't return giants but they don't they have trolls they don't have or any wizards giants. oh yeah or wizards <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's that's where I get confused. What I think of it, let, yeah, of course it can't return giants or wizards. So, so I just shortcut it to all creatures.
1: Right, all permanents except for giants, wizards, and lands. Mono green has no wizards and no giants. So, uh,
0: well, that's not true. But that card is a land, so you know, okay, yeah, you weren't going to return protected. Faceless Haven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: it's a giant, a wizard, and a land. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just the like cast cyclone summoner and they're like okay i'll like cast a ranger class and a troll and then you're just like attack with cyclone like even if you don't have anything a lot of my games have just been like attack with cyclone summoner and this hall of storm giants and it's just (laughs) like i'm hitting you for 14 here you have to block or you're dead good luck
0: you just turn into giant tribal at that point
1: yeah just seven seven tribal uh, and that has been my breaker card for that matchup, is, is Cyclone yeah, I think Summoner. It's,
0: I don't think we talked about it last week, the Cyclone Summoner in Worlds decklist, but it was, it's a really good card against Mono Green. It's yeah. exceptionally good.
1: Yeah. And, and it makes me not miss Lear, because I think it's a better, mm, or better it's, answer. It's at least an equivalent plan without requiring the deck building constraints that, that Lear puts on you.
0: Yeah, the counter, the weird counter spell thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the like incentives to be discard heavy and stuff like that.
0: Mm-hmm. What about the mirror? You want to go to the mirror?
1: Yeah, I mean, so so like I said, uh, countering the card drawing or controlling the card drawing, and also metering out your card drawing in a way that it disincentivizes them from countering it, uh, is really important. So I'm happy to protect my iterations with my malevolent hermits i am happy to counter their card drawing with my malevolent hermits uh because c- if you play this game where like you have hermit in play and you just kind of like let their card drawing resolve they let your card drawing resolve eventually the hermit doesn't really do that much because it y- you each have a million lands and all these yeah, treasures. both players in play. have way too much mana yeah yeah so just toss it in there get Like, expressive iteration is better than Hermit, so trade it for an expressive iteration.
0: You're also incentivized by Hermit to trade off Hermit. Mm -hmm. It gives you another card to cast later. Yeah. So you can fill out your mana that way. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, In game
1: ones, I am generally... My build is... You know, I don't have ways of interacting on the stack in game one. And Mm -hmm. what that means is that I don't want it to get to a point where my opponent is just comfortable... Throwing their combo onto the table i need to throw I, I need to be aggressive and throw my combo onto the table and i'm helped by the goldspan dragons because even if they do have a way to you know they divide by zero one of my copied epiphanies but i have another epiphany on the stack and that's good enough to kill you when i have goldspan dragon but you know one thing to look out for is that they can galvanic iteration to double a counter spell and that's the way that you stop a full combo epiphany turn is is by iterationing a counterspell which is also a reason why i lean a, a slightly more towards actual counterspells than just hermits for the mirrors because hermit can't stop two iteration or can't stop two epiphanies there's no way to make that happen
0: we need to call it galvanized like a galvanized epiphany a galvanized epiphany a golden epiphany well galva- galvanizing is like electricity right
1: well When you galvanize something, you use electricity to put metal plating onto something.
0: (laughs) But it sounds way better than like an iterationed epiphany. Okay, I guess it's specifically
1: galvanizing is the process of applying a protective zinc coating to steel or iron to prevent rusting.
0: Okay. So yeah, we don't want our epiphanies to rust.
1: No. And by that I mean like get divided by zero or whatever. Right. Right. But yeah, so you're you're trying to make your land drops. You are trying to control like their hermits. You're trying to control their card drawing. And then at some point, you just got to say, even if you haven't like seen their hand with a test of talents or something, at some point, you've got to be like, I know that they've got the combo assembled now. And I just like, at some point, they're going to go for it. And I need to go for it before they do. And maybe they have enough iterations that they can, counter my epiphanies and then do their but like assume their hand isn't perfect it rarely is especially like game one they're drawing like removal spells and stuff also
0: if you assume their hand is perfect you're never really going to be able to do anything
1: you can't play around everything
0: right like it's a mirror if their hand is perfect your hand also has to be perfect and that's probably not going to be the case either
1: yes oh that is so, so that's actually an interesting point that I was having trouble like figuring out exactly my feelings on it, but I was actually watching uh, Ross and Corey play today on stream. Ross kind of like put words to, to what I was feeling. And he was like, I feel like playing against epiphany. If I have one of my a plus draws with like pretty much any of the other decks in the format, I will probably win the game. But if I stumble, then I will die. And that is, that is kind of the spot that Epiphany has in the metagame. If you are playing Mono White and you go one drop into Luminarch Aspirant, into Adeline, and I don't have just the absolute perfect responses to that, which is super unlikely and maybe even impossible, like, like have all that pressure into a Redane, then okay, yeah, you will win. And it's really, really difficult for me to have the cards to get out of that. If you stumble at any point... Like, Epiphany will just take advantage of that, and it will get to its end game, and you won't have killed it, and, and you will die. So, it's kind of the the weird spot that it occupies in the metagame. Let's see, other, other playing the mirror things, you know, you always want to be thinking about the divide by zero, but not too hard. Like, sometimes you just get your spell divided by zero, and it's fine. Like, I'm happy to run Goldspan Dragons into divide by zero until it hits the table and probably especially because i start goldspan dragoning on turn five that hasn't tapped me out for your combo turn at that point
0: i I think a good way to think about it is you should be aware of what like don't play around divide by zero Mm -hmm. but if your opponent casts a divide by zero on the spell you're casting where does that leave them on the next turn cycle as to what they can do in your response right like you don't you don't stop playing things because divide by zero is a possibility because it just doesn't matter that much. They go down a card when they cast divide by zero
1: and then they only get that card back when they cast one of their terrible lessons.
0: Like, whoa, whoa. One of those lessons is a weird definition.
1: <laughs> yeah, that they might not get be able to draw two off of and also taps <laughs> no, them no, out for it's, three it's on it's their turn. It's a draw track.
0: three. It's a draw three conditional.
1: Well, but it doesn't work unless you have more cards in hand than they do oh yeah you're right
0: oh, god that card's terrible
1: <laughs> so like i've had turns where i've just been like okay i want to cast goldsband dragon here if they divide by zero it i don't think they have divide by zero or whatever and then i jam the goldsband dragon and then they divide by zero and i'm like damn they had the divide by zero and then they get teachings and i'm just like wait no this was great for me like now they're down a card like the card they have in their hand is teachings and the card i have in my hand is gold span dragon like i'm fine and then i cast a gold span next dragon next turn and win the game
0: yeah divide by is pretty awkward i wouldn't i'd be more aware of the mana situation that it can create rather than like the actual effect of the card
1: yeah uh it can get your unexpected windfalls and that's a thing to be aware yeah, of.
0: That's true. And copied spells. Yes.
1: Yeah. Right. Those don't return to your hand because they've been, they are copies. When you are casting divide by zero on a copy to all runs epiphany, make sure you explicitly copy the, or target the
0: copy, not the, not the actual card. Yep. It's not too hard. That's always the one on top.
1: And playing against, is it dragons? Like if you can kill their dragons, then their deck is bad. They got a lot of dragons and a lot of card drawing, so don't be afraid of getting countered. You gotta run your spells into their counter spells until they run out of counter spells, and there's no playing around it because their threats are so cheap. Smoldering Egg costs two mana. Goldspan Dragon refunds you two mana from its mana cost. Uh you can't just like wait for an opening. They they won't give you one. You just
0: need to keep casting spells. I'm not gonna live in fear of dragons can't afford to
1: no i mean they you know they are a delvery deck sometimes they just have a draw that lines up really well against you and you don't beat it and that's fine like that's that's how it goes
0: i do like how the delver deck in this format does not play delver instead just plays dragons
1: (laughs) (laughs) uh if you play against delver you will possibly lose because delver like is defensible in a format where you get to play all these spell lands and stuff. And it comes down and starts hitting really early against this like slow combo control deck. But uh, I have four spike field hazards in my deck now.
0: <laughs> so yeah. Delver's also not being monograin at all. No, that's a tough one. Yep. Any, any more epiphany insights you want to regale us with? That's probably not how you use that word.
1: Uh, I've been really happy with main deck Cinderglasms. Two to three. Uh I'm down to two because I subbed in I subbed one out for a Prismari command just to really focus on the Goldspan Dragon plan. But mm-hmm. three has also been quite good and has made me win matches against white decks or blue white decks like the Mori deck that I just wouldn't have won otherwise. And it's been, you know, you can dump it in the matchups where it's actively bad. And it's also better against mono green in some spots than you would think, especially with Galvanic iteration
0: unexpected wind vault does make the 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 one of two ofs a little more appealing when they're not always useful because you can just pitch them yeah yeah for sure
1: and also you see so many cards because the deck has to have so much card drawing in it to function that one ofs and two ofs are perfectly defensible because you will get access to them at some point in the game and you can even copy them if they're
0: particularly good <laughs> Yeah, that's the best part about Galvanic like, Iteration, my opinion. Mm-hmm. It just amplifies the flashback on that card is kind of nuts because it lets you get away with so much. You can like spew off the front half pretty easily.
1: Yeah, exactly. And and, and then it gives you this kind of like Snapcaster Mage effect where you double up on the spell that you really want in that matchup. Mm-hmm. Obviously, far far worse than Snapcaster Mage, but you know we're playing standard right now. But should we move on from standard?
0: Yeah, yeah, we can just we can talk about modern. I've got some modern stuff to talk about. Do it. This is all you. There's not a huge amount of turn, because the format hasn't really changed with Innistrad that much, other than the reanimator decks people kind of played around with. Mm-hmm. I still think that deck is pretty good, to be honest. But it's not been played a ton. It doesn't have a ton of results yet. It wins, uh, what are they called, preliminaries every now and then? And that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, the version I saw that I'm most excited by is the incarnation ephemerate version so you know you're playing espy animator (laughs) Mm -hmm. with faithless mending faithful mending because
0: moldrifter Ephemerate is like insane
1: right and and then you have grief and solitude which are both good with ephemerate and with uh persist and it ends up being like a pretty cohesive deck that then you look at it and you're like oh shit, this reanimator deck is running like all good magic cards at this point
0: yeah the the glow up from Mold drifter is touching to my heart. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so sick. it's yeah. so good with ephemerate. You like evoke it and you draw your two cards and maybe one of them is ephemerate, and maybe you already had it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Uh, and then you target your Mold Drifter with Ephemerate. Your opponent has to be like, Well, I guess I gotta kill this, but it's dying anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so like you don't lose anything by giving up the ephemerate. You're always up cards. Mm-hmm. And if Ephemerate it, if it resolves, it's just woof.
1: Yeah. You, yeah. Good lord. And and then, obviously, you have access to... Like, this is the first grief Ephemerate deck that I think is a, a deck with legs. And that is a really yeah. powerful combo.
0: And, and it gets to play counterspells and disruption. and It's just a, a generically good deck.
1: Yeah. I'm pretty locked in on what I am playing. And, you know, just like don't have the cards for it and don't have the reps with it. But, you know, if I had kind of thought of this a little while earlier, I would have been more more open to giving it a shot and pretty into it.
0: Uh, other than that, I still think the, the top of format is the two Cascade decks and the Hammer deck. Mm-hmm. But I think... I've always thought Living End was the better of the two Cascade decks. But I'm very confident now because the Rhino's deck is not very good against Blue Eye Control at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Blue White Control is... I don't know whether it's off the top of like starting streaming or just people wanted to play it a bunch, but it is all over these challenges. It's winning. It's just, it's won a challenge, but it hasn't. It's always present in the top eight. It's just people are playing it over and over and over again. I think even canister put it put it <laughs> in a top eight in with blue eye control.
1: And and I mean that is pretty scary for living end as well. Blue eye control can be pretty tough. Uh, you know, you just have to. Draw the right cards to fight off their cards, and you have grief, and you have force of negation, and you have brazen borrower, and you you kind of need to draw a couple of them.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't think it's great for living end, mm-hmm. but for rhinos, it's particularly miserable because your end game isn't even that strong against him. Right.
1: right, like your four fours don't really beat. You make four fours, and they're just like,
0: cast solitude. Yes, just cast, straight cast up.
1: solitude or. <laughs> prismatic ending one of them to the other one like and now i have a Teferi in play and you can't you have to kill that before you can cascade again <laughs> like you're, it's you're like
0: actual you're like actual and also your actual best plan as rhinos against the blue eye deck is just casting adventure creatures for value mm-hmm. which is i mean they this have modern. <laughs> hero
1: of dominaria in their deck like
0: right so that's rough uh and blue eye control is also kind of crimping the style of the Murktide decks. Mm-hmm. They're pretty good against the Murktide decks just because they are not trying to play on your little tempo axis. They've got a bunch of chalices in their deck. They've got prismatic endings and solitudes and tefairies. And they even get Kahira as a companion to fuel the solitudes so mm-hmm. they're not losing out on too much. Uh, and that's all a pain for like the narrow margins is it deck to do. Like You have to draw a lot of uh, expressive iterations to kind of dig out of that hole or have a really early Murktide. So like, it asks a lot to be done it's not as bad as the cascade deck matchups but it's not easy
1: yeah and solitude really the early Merktide is like a gamble because if it gets solitude, you didn't really get anywhere
0: <laughs> it's like you have to have an early Merktide and like a spell some uh, sort of counterspell
1: yeah that's that's tough it especially because yeah. their solitude they cast they spend zero mana on and they run counterspell too
0: yeah so as, as much as i like to pretend blue white isn't a player Mm-hmm. I think it actually is. It's it's pretty well positioned. Uh, Solitude, the card, <laughs> works re- and to Fairy Time Raveler mm-hmm. are just so strong independently that just having a deck built around those cards is just working. Yep.
1: Yeah, for sure. And you can, I don't know how many of these lists are running them, but you can also run Spreading Seas in that deck, and it can solve your Urza Saga problem.
0: So they are at least always in the sideboard. Mm-hmm if they're not in the main deck okay. like i i see both there's not a huge consensus on it uh
1: because otherwise urza saga does beat the deck so
0: no. yes well the, uh, everyone knows that like yeah. urza saga is so good against blue white control <laughs> that that you just have to have some answer to it
1: yep and this is a great one that draws a
0: card mm-hmm. uh, which kind of leads us into the the other value decks the four color piles the Omnath decks there's the, the normal Elementals one. There's still the Niv to Light thing that people are still doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then now there's a Yorion version, which is like 80 card value blink with Omnath and Elementals and Eternal Witness, as well as Ephemerate <laughs> and Icefang Quaddle. So you like, instead of using Risen Reef, like the Elementals deck does to accrue your value over time you just you straight up eternal witness to like buy back fury and solitude and endurance or whatever so you get your cards back that way and then you ephemerate the eternal witness along with like express federation or whatever Rin mm-hmm. and six to fairy like all the good cards because it's an 80 card deck yeah there's a
1: lot of very <laughs> good cards
0: and you just never ever run out of gas and you just keep going
1: yeah for those you know the pre-elemental decks that ran Ephemerate were Eternal Witness decks. And remember the way that that works is you blink the Eternal Witness, the Eternal Witness gets a card, you blink it again, and the Eternal Witness gets your Ephemerate back. So it is a never-ending stream of value once you have those two.
0: Yeah, you have to kill the Eternal Witness. And Witness is not that hard to kill, especially with everyone playing Fury and Solitude.
1: Right, but it gave you... A, a regrowth when it came into play so yeah
0: it never is bad for the person casting eternal witness yeah ever uh so that that deck is as one a challenge it's got second in a challenge uh, i see it a lot that people are playing it but i haven't seen enough games with it to really get a good feel out of it i, I think it's just a really solid alternative to elementals yeah uh, sure. it's very difficult to play the mana is it can be pretty rough like all red and six to fairy decks are like that. Yep. You have to be really, really, really careful with fetching your lands out.
1: Yeah. And, you know, the density of fetches and shocks and the requirements for each turn give you a certain level of vulnerability against burn.
0: Yeah. Fetches, shocks, and then figuring out how to fit all of that into die. Fink Waddle mm-hmm. being a real card while still being able to cast your other spells. It's Ugh. not trivial. Yeah. Triumphs help. Uh, the turn one triome is really, really helpful. Oh yeah, for sure. There's, what, two of them, I think? A Ketria and a uh, Rogrin.
1: And you have one in play, like, 90% of games that you play.
0: Yeah, but playing with the triomes and then going to, like, Standard, where you're all one color lands <laughs> and a stall <laughs> is just such a different experience. Really drives home what, what they've done to uh, the mana bases in Standard. Sure. Other than that, other than like the value decks, there's a lot of weird stuff that's being on the rise. Mm-hmm. Charbelcher just want to challenge. So, Deck was playing Charbelcher. And this is just, let me pull it up. Uh, under the great name Seismic Swans and MTG Goldfish, a deck Not. which plays neither Swans of Bernargle or whatever the Seismic card is that's triple red. Seismic Don't know name of it. Seismic Assault? Okay. It, it's just a no lands no real lands it's got the mythic uh, pay three life things and then you pl- cast recross the paths which is a reveal cards on top of your deck until you reveal a land put that land into play and then you can reorder the rest however you choose and put them on the bottom so in a deck without any lands in it it's just order your deck however you want yes <laughs> and then put it back so you you order your deck you draw the belcher or the Ironclad fee the belcher recross the paths kind of deal or not the, uh, Reforge the Soul is how mm-hmm. you draw a bunch of cards. Then you cast ironcrag Feet, which is the four mana, add seven red. But you can only cast one more spell. That spell is Goblin Charbelcher. Then you activate the Charbelcher with the other mana. And kill them, because you have no lands in your deck. I I don't know why this deck is like suddenly being played. Because it was played right after Battle for Zendikar... Not Battle for Zendikar. Zendikar Rising came out, because the spell lands made it possible. But I think what makes this deck better now than it was then is the presence of strike it rich, which oddly yeah. enough helps your burn matchup a lot. Just because you no you longer faster. no you no longer have to all your lands come to play tap. Oh right? gotcha. Yeah, yeah. By default unless you pay a ton of life. Uh but strike it rich lets you play a tap land on turn one and then have a mana accelerator for turn two without uh playing it on tap land. Like you you're not playing a mana rock. Mm-hmm. Like a two-mana mana rock for two mana. You're just playing a mana rock you use once for one mana. And it's way better. It lets you actually possibly survive an attack. Because you're on really thin margins with this deck. With all your lands going to play tapped, you have to pay a million mana, or a million life if you ever want to put one in play tapped.
1: Still pretty tough to beat an Eidolon, but sure.
0: Oh, no. You're, we're not trying to beat Eidolons with any <laughs> regularity here. But the small, I just count up. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, do you want to tell me how the Pyromancer Ascension sideboard plan works?
0: I don't know how it works. <laughs> <to> <laughs> okay, that's honest. that's fair. I, I see one copy of Pyromancer Ascension in only Sodex lists. I've looked at other Goblin Charbelter lists, and there's always just one copy of Pyromancer Ascension, and I have no idea why. I just do not know. There is a loop, uh, and I don't. I haven't sat down and figured
1: out exactly what the sequence is. Uh, but there's a way that you can stack your deck with Recross the Paths where you get the Pyromancer Ascension in play and then you use Rituals and whatever, and then you get to use Balaged Recovery and cast Pact of the Titan over and over and over again. And then you get so, to so cast. So this has to
0: be triple Metamorphose?
1: Yeah. I mean, you've stacked your deck, so you can make it happen. But yes, yeah, so you have a lot of Metamorphoses involved and then you get to infinite mana and then you get to Balaged recovery pact of the titan cast make a you know as many four fours as you want and then you use song mad treachery to give them all haste and you kill your opponent so i don't know exactly what the sequence is there but if you stack your deck you can figure
0: it out with mana but how do you get infinite Balaged recoveries you can only, well that you get like a finite amount
1: you get two Balagad recoveries. So when you copy a Balagad yeah. recovery, you return a recovery and a like metamorphose or whatever. Oh, okay.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. So you'd have to have two Balagad recoveries, right? You can't just do it with one. Okay. But gotcha. you, you, know,
1: you stacked your entire deck, so you do get to give yourself those ingredients.
0: Okay. Sure. So it's a weird way of winning a different way when you've already done your your combo.
1: Yeah. I mean, you get to it. Just like lets you beat the things that beat meddling mage on char belcher or stony, stony silence, silence or, or, like or line of sanctity or whatever.
0: Sure. Okay. Weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I saw it in there and I, I had to be a reason, but I didn't, I didn't want to sit down and figure out what it was.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I, I mean, that's, that's generally the combo. I don't know the order that you put the cards in, but it is infinite mana, infinite ballad recoveries packed of the Titan song mad treachery,
0: Uh, and did you see this list that won the challenge on what was this it doesn't tell me it was either saturday or sunday the jess guy and i use jess guy very lightly <laughs> stone blade deck no so this is a red white stone blade deck first of all mm-hmm. jess guy was a lie because <laughs> we're just playing bone crusher giant the Stoneforge of six season prime answer fury Great, uh, prismatic ending, helix, lightning helix. These are all Chalices, blood moons, like all four ofs. Okay. This is a hateful stoneforge druid stick deck, and also we're splashing blue for Teferi time reveler Just another hate card.
1: Oh right, I I did just listen to Dominari talking about this deck.
0: Yeah, this, and and like you fluster storms in sure,
1: the sideboard, right? Like that's all the blue is Teferis and and fluster storms.
0: They actually have denix in the sideboard as well, which is a new midnight Hunt card, oh. which. It's that kind turns of like a second spells. spells, right? Yeah. Right, and yeah. on the backside, it it investigates a bunch.
1: <laughs> well, I think they're playing it for the front
0: side, but. Well, I'm just trying to give you context of all sure. the card, you know, because they can kill it theoretically. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this if you weren't sure how good hate cards in Modern were, mostly Teferi, Chalice, of the Void, and Blood Moon. Uh, the fact that this deck won a challenge playing just those cards mostly mm-hmm. and uh, like some creatures to supplement them so you don't need that much other than hate cards to win like stoneforge mystic plus if you draw a hate card it's good enough to win like yeah. culture complete is insane Cult-
1: culture generally kills them
0: before they find the answer to the hate card and then combo off so and furies and uh to protect you a lot too mm-hmm. it's just i like this deck even though it I kinda of wanna play it, but I know I'm not gonna play it well, and I also hate drawing a bunch of hate cards, so <laughs> not a good fit for me personally. But this deck is like pretty neat. I really like the I don't think I would have had the the gumption to play a like a, a red white stone torture deck and just not play Raghavan.
1: Yeah, I mean this deck is kinda of genius, I think. Uh I don't know how sustainable it is, but you know, there's a lot I mean Teferi is so good right now. And then just turn it into a hate card with a bunch of companion hate cards uh i i like this deck quite a bit i i feel like you don't i mean the, this is nitpicky but like sort of fire and ice has to suck in this deck right
0: yeah, it's probably just a third equipment do
1: you need a third uh, like you're trying to lock them out and then just like be have th- like what are you drawing like more Like, if your chalices are bad, now you're like, I'm drawing cards. Here's another chalice of the void. You know?
0: I think it's more about the damage than the cards, to be honest. Sure, sure. In in which case, maybe sort of Feast and Famine is better, but I I think it's just like nipping of that Sword of
1: War and Peace. I've locked you out, now
0: I can kill you. (laughs) Hey, it has protection for the two best elementals. That's true, the two removal elementals. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm uh also yogmoth combo has been doing really well recently it's i it want to challenge the, uh two weeks ago i believe it with demonic tutors did really well with it this is their moto name also it's just a combo deck that isn't hosed by chalice or uh, yeah like soul guide lantern or teferi like it doesn't really care about all those cards
1: i think that's a really important part of it yeah that makes sense
0: I do not know the matchup spread very well, but they are kind of hunkered in and willing to play a more mid rangey game. They cut. A lot of decks have cut Drawl's Messenger to just two copies now, mm-hmm. relying on more Young Wolves and just attrition, because mm-hmm. everyone's playing like three Grists, the whatever, the Bug Planeswalker. Sure. Which is a really, really good card for just having a game plan, attacking with your useless creatures or using them in some way to stop your opponent. Yeah. While just building up to a, a combo finish.
1: And I, I think another important part of this deck having a resurgence is it kind of like lives and dies on how many Unholy Heats are getting played because the card And Craft Digger's Cage. Yeah, Craft Digger's Cage too. Uh, Also just like Unholy Heat killing Yawgmoth the best card in your deck is really tough and the more you know like the more Is It Murktide gets pushed out a little bit then the more the red decks are weird red decks that are just like oh well i just want to run a lot of furies i can't run unholy heat in this deck uh then yogmoth benefits from that
0: i I like yogmoth. if i i I would strongly consider playing it just because i think it's i I think a good pilot can do really well with it because i think it's well positioned against a lot of the stuff people are doing Mm -hmm. as long as you like know your plans and matchups yeah I, there's just like no way I could ever do that in the time I have now sure. with the cards I have. Sure. So I'm not, I'm not going to worry about it. But I do think it is a good choice. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, if you are a Yogg Moth person and you're headed to the Envy, I would not have any problem with you registering Yogg Moth.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, also, just on personal bias, I saw an Underworld Breach deck. Aha. Uh-huh. That it's the the Breach version I like that plays like Dragon's Rage Chandlers and Ragavons. Mm-hmm. And just normal stuff yeah like, for express or expressive iterations into the combo mm-hmm. you No, know? uh it's by jiggy wiggy which has done well in several events We've got a couple of prelim three ones or four o's and has done placed in some challenges top 30 chooses some challenges mm-hmm. but the weirdest thing to me about this deck and this player is that they just always play 76 cards a 61 card main deck and it makes no sense <laughs> like this this deck that they got 18th place in most recently uh they are playing 76 cards so 61 cards in the main deck three expressive iterations (laughs) and just like some tutor targets for urza saga and a brazen borrower as like Mm -hmm. a main deck anti-hate card
1: well you see it's because thassa's oracle isn't really a card in this deck so it doesn't count it's only your win condition so you play a 60 card deck and then you put your thassa's oracle in
0: but what?
1: No, I don't know. I have no idea. You can
0: make a better argument to me if you like showed me the math where you know how grinding station mills three cards, and you don't want to exactly... If you can do something iterations in threes, and 60 is too even, right? It's just 33. But you draw one so you card every one, turn.
1: I guess if you go off on like the <laughs> same turn every time, then maybe, but...
0: Well, I'm not gonna prove the math to you. You have to prove the math to me, because I'm against 61 cards. If you mulligan,
1: it completely throws off that math.
0: <laughs> I, I I don't know. I, I I kinda like this deck though, just because I like the strategy. Mm-hmm. And it it's kinda hardening that someone's doing well with it, but I don't think it's particularly well positioned. Yeah. I, I think it's mostly just a a good way to use Raghavan in a combo shell, if mm-hmm. you want to do that. As an alternative to like the Ragavan murktide region thing. I mean, Dragon's That's Age it.
1: Channeler as combo engine is really nice for sure. It's
0: it's so Dragon's Reach Channeler with Underworld Breach is just kind of insane. Yeah. I mean, just it, by itself,
1: it's very, very similar to obviously less powerful, but it is not that different from Brain Freeze <laughs> Grinding Station yeah. uh, or, or Brain Freeze uh, Breach. Underworld Breach.
0: Because even with like one Dragon's Age Channeler, a Breach, and an, a Mistress Bobble, mm-hmm. you can just draw cards for every two cards in your graveyard. Yeah. <laughs> It's really good. That's really strong. As long as you're willing to get rid of your whole graveyard. That's it. It's just... It's neat. I like it. This person has some weird choices, but I... It's given me heart to... I'm going to try this deck out again.
1: Yeah. Cool. Well, I mean...
0: Not for the Invitational. I highly (laughs) doubt I'll be playing the Invitational. (laughs) But...
1: (laughs) It's tough. I mean, like, this this is definitely a deck that struggles against chalice or rest in peace out of the blue white deck or the, like various hate cards that are heavily played so
0: yeah this deck against chalice is so bad because you're a your combo is a zero cost card mox amber mm-hmm. and your other best cards are one cost card <laughs> Rock so, so Drugs, they, they can't
1: even screw it up right like no
0: they, they can't they can't even put chalice on a bad number <laughs> <laughs> like if they put it on one and you just have emory like what are you <laughs> you have to like struggle to not have them have another chalice on zero for your then obvious measures bubbles and stuff like that it's kind of crazy yeah yep anyway that's kind of on modern it's just some cool stuff popping up otherwise more of the same blue egg control is really mm-hmm. popular and kind of i'm still really high on hammer i've been toying around with a, a red version for magnetic Grasp. I don't know if I'm gonna stick to that, because Thoughtseize are just so good against blue Eye Control. Sure. But it's a judgment call of like whether you expect blue Eye Control to be more popular, or the Mirror, because my mm-hmm. Grasp is... It's just a generically good card, because more quippers are, are good. Yeah. But in the Mirror, it's insane.
1: Yeah, you just steal their hammer and kill them with it.
0: Yeah, it's like a hate card and a, like a reverse combo enabler. It's really weird. Yeah.
1: No, that makes perfect sense. I... Definitely, the Rise of Blue White makes me a little bit nervous, and I know we're going to see more of the Envy than we would have seen if the Envy were like two weeks ago. Uh, mm-hmm. Because it's one of the very few decks that just straight up is built in a way that gives it a good matchup against Living End, and it's not really just down to like, did they draw enough hate cards? It's like, well, a lot of their deck is hate cards, so...
0: Yeah, like, oh, Teferi Time Rattler, one of yeah. the most important cards in their deck. They just would, like, generically.
1: Yeah, and, and I mean, main deck Teferis, main deck Chalices, they can have Rest in Peace in their sideboard. They have Counter Magic, which is also a thing that you have to fight through.
0: Like it Some sits. of them have Rest in Peace in their main deck.
1: I don't think they do that so much anymore because they have so many good cards they can play, but if they do, that's also
0: really bad for you. I, I've seen it within the past two weeks.
1: Yeah. It's a little weird given the quality of cards they're allowed to play now. Like, the deck is just straight up kind of good. Like, you don't need to mise wins that way against a small part yeah. of the format.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it, you're giving up ground against the, the value decks, but a lot of the other decks are graveyard based. True. Whether they be Luris, Renin 6, Dragon's Base, Shaler. Like, there's a lot of good graveyard cards in play right. right now. Right. When
1: you play against the, the like, Tarmagoif's Ren and Renin 6 deck and you just put a rest in peace into
0: play, it's actually I... really good. <laughs> Yeah, speaking of the the Zoomer Jun deck, that deck just kind of fell off a cliff. It, it's not bad because it plays all good cards, mm-hmm. but Blue Eye Control is rough. Yeah,
1: the the Chalice of the Void Prismatic Ending Spreading Seas deck is like
0: really good against that stuff. Yep. Also, I'm not. I wasn't hugely on the side of Jund against the the four the Omnath decks. Right. Just because those decks never ever run out of cards, and their their creatures are not small typically, so even though you can like out construct them in size, they always find a way to just like throw creatures under the bus until they can remove your your construct tokens in some way, mm-hmm. and then just get value back while they're doing that. Sure. So I, I think that matchup's like not lopsided or anything, but I was always in favor of the on decks. Mm-hmm. And when you're not beating like the attrition matchups in jund, and there's a control deck that's like pretty good against you. And yeah. you still have to deal with like all the random cascade and hammer stuff. I'm just not a huge fan of that deck right now. Yeah. I,
1: I totally get that. Uh Philip has been working on Burn. He's been saying that he's been running into some kind of like bad matchups in the leagues, but based on what I'm seeing in the results from the events, like Burn seems just completely fine and even like beats up on a fair amount of the stuff that's doing I, well.
0: I think the decks that are the most populous in League results are not league results challenge results, Mm. are actually hammer time and burn. I Mm -hmm. think those are the most winning decks.
1: Yep. I mean, if you don't know what your opponent's about to do, just kill him.
0: Yep, that's tried and true. You can't really go wrong with that. Yep. Especially if you're playing some nutso cards like uh, Urza Saga, or I guess (laughs) Goblin Guide.
1: Yep. I mean, yeah, Goblin Guide's a classic. Urza Saga, definitely very powerful. Goblin Guide is just a nice, simple little package, and is like never gonna be that bad
0: i mean it does what it says on the card like uh, one red mana at least two damage Mm -hmm. deal
1: as long as people are playing fetch shock mana bases in modern burn is going to be a defensible choice
0: which is going to be always yep like that's it's just always going to be like that (laughs) they're not going to mess up and print volcanic island or whatever right right well anything else about modern no that's kind of it it's just a just a small checkup check in I guess.
1: Yeah. I think that was good. Well, cool. Hopefully this was helpful to people.
0: Uh we are we will have one more show before the
1: invitational or uh you know we'll kind of talk about what we've locked in and I'll I'll probably have like a pretty final list at that point with just some small adjustments in the next couple of days. But yeah, I'm excited. I can't wait to go play the Envy.
0: Yeah, me me too, actually. I'm honestly most look mostly looking forward to like seeing people and hanging out than yes. I am playing the actual event. But I will be playing the event. <laughs> I
1: I just have been playing so much Epiphany that I really want the opportunity to outplay a couple of people in Paper Magic because that's, like, one of my favorite experiences in the world. But, sure. you know, I'll probably also get outplayed pretty heavily in a match or two, so you, you win some, you lose some. But yeah, thanks everybody so much for hanging out. We really appreciate your time. If you'd like to lend us some support, head over to patreon.com slash mtggrindcast. If you want to find us on social media, I'm tweeting from at CCR underscore grindcast. Lee is also on Twitter. I'm at Lee McLeo. Thanks so much for listening and have a great week.
0: Goodbye.